0: So we needed an update in the market yesterday after the uh, Fitch warning, and we didn't get it. Well, does that mean the bull market's over? No. Just mean the bears are getting a little little more control. If you're at 52-week lows, and you have low expectations for earnings, and you say anything good, your stock pops not sure if that's a great trading strategy. Joe Saluzzi from Themis Trading is going to join us at 8:35 to talk market structure. We got some other earnings reports to cover and got to talk about Tesla. It's pre-market prep on a Wednesday.
1: Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conin. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis did. i am been a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day.
0: Welcome to the dog or bear days of August, here, folks. Uh, traded down two and a half handles at 44.5650, holding yesterday's low. There's a good number for you: 44.47 potential double bottom. Dollar, uh that's down just about a penny at 102.99. Uh, Bonds up a quarter point. Trying to muster rally 120 and 10.30 seconds. Crude kind of consolidating here, but holding the $80 level up 34 cents at 81.32. Gold down a $1. buck 50, 1933.80. Silver going the other way up 7 cents at uh, 22.74. And Bitcoin flat at 29,175. Well, Dennis, NVIDIA saved the market on Monday. Not quite the same on Tuesday. It tried. It tried
2: it tried hard it held <laughs> up <laughs> almost the entire day it ran in the early morning right off the hop we got a little bit of a rip on a lot of the tech Four fifty,
1: baby 450 Nvidia ripped up to
2: 450 <laughs> did you get
1: short you were gonna short it <laughs> I, I was i was at a doctor's appointment so i couldn't do it. oh yeah, yeah, yeah trust me dennis <laughs> as soon as i saw it as soon as i literally i'm like i'm like looking at see 450s i'm like all right is it gonna go That's back that. is it gonna go back to red Oh, and it went right back to red, and I, I think though it wasn't the worst on the hourly overall. Overall, that's one thing I would say. At least on the hourly chart, it did kind of stay near support. So oh, I don't think that well. it, yeah, I don't think it completely, you know, just no, came back. Right, it held
2: so. up very well. It was an impressive day for Nvidia once again. I had a Reuters reporter just calling me and asking me, you know, thoughts on Nvidia because of the strength and the resilience. And, and it, it's the ha- ahead. Like, wh- what date is the report here, Mitch? It's next 23rd week. 23rd, next yep. week. So, week so you're coming into one week within NVIDIA. I think investors are expecting that they're going to blow it away again because they really blew it away last quarter. So if you were short this stock, you're nervous to be short the stock ahead of the report. And some people are speculating they want to be long the stock ahead of the report for the simple reason is that they blew it away. Um, I'm concerned that the expectations are going to be too high for NVIDIA here, especially if it runs up into the report, but you know, that's to be determined. Um, but you know, uh, this earnings season is all about the bar. It's about, you know, like the SMCI bar way too high, Microsoft bar way too high, Tesla bar way too high. And then you have other stocks that, you know, are yeah, reporting out that great of quarters, but they're rallying on them because the bar is way too low. And that is Target here this morning, because TGT reported a quarter that was not good. Nothing about this quarter was good. But the stock closed at a 52-week low going into the report. So expectations in the gutter. You can clearly see. Everybody was expecting the worst from Target. They didn't know the pride stuff and all that, which we won't get into. But expectations were absolutely in the gutter for Target and they came out and the earnings beat here mitch give us the report
1: yeah the earnings beat and then we'll get into a little bit underneath the hood and i think that's where you see the issues but let's get here q2 uh, adjusted eps at a dollar 80 cents beats the dollar 39 cent estimate sales of 24.77 billion missed the 25.18 billion estimate and here's where things really start getting the trouble, right? You see Target's Q2 traffic down 4.8%. Comparable store sales down 4.3%. And comparable digital sales, you would think that maybe at least they're selling there. That's down 10.5%. All right. So Target's Q3 adjusted EPS guidance now getting a major hit. On the low end, they gave it down to 120 versus a high end of $1.60. And a dollar eighty-four estimate. So that's pretty long that's ways from that dollar yeah. eighty-four. Um, so targets not looking good here. And I thought that at at some point they might be able to turn this thing around. Doesn't look
2: good. That the guidance is terrible. I mean, they're adjusting everything down, and usually it's all about guidance. But again, I'm gonna say it again. This earnings season is different, it is all about the bar, and the investor bar is just so low. So, I mean, these comps, you know, down 4.3%, that's a disaster. That's nothing short of a disaster. So, you come in and, you know, a lot of head scratching this morning. Why is Target up 10 bucks on this report? But we're going to say it again. Expectations were for, you know, a hell of a lot lower that they were just going, nobody's going to shop at Target ever again. And I mean, that's not the case. So, you get the pop here. So, now what? I mean, when stocks are rallying on bad news, it's never a good thing if you're short. So, does it come right back in? Do investors, you know, scratch their head? Well, we, saw, we have a case. We have Disney. What happened with Disney was the same, pretty much the same story. The report wasn't great for Disney. Stock initially actually went down on it, and then it popped up and it closed higher. Well, what's happened now? Four days later, it's giving it back. So I don't think I'm chasing target here. I don't know if I'm necessarily shorting it either. I want to see what it does here today because you could have been early on that Disney, you know, at 90 when it was up three bucks in the report, and then it went up another three bucks. So I think you've gotta just, you know, maybe wait for a day here, but I do think that this report was not good and I'm not buying it.
0: Oh boy, you you said 52 week low. Try a three year low. Okay. Three, Wow. Three-year low. This, uh, I mean, I can't comment on the move down there just because, you know, you had to lower the move and we're so far away from it. But this should not have traded above 138. And the reason I'm saying that is you had a high here in the 138 area, you had two highs at the 138 area, then you have another high at the 138 area. So, uh, you know, use that as a potential resistance today. But I don't think that this stock is out of the woods uh, from a you know long term perspective until you can show me a bid, a sustained bid above one thirty eight. Well, you hit it today and you pull back, maybe you'll blast right through it. But um, I would just, you know, and you're not going to get a gap fill either. I just, I guess you just got to wait for this trading range to resolve. And for the most part, even though we went from the bottom of the trading range to the top of the trading range in one day. That's usually not sustainable. So I think if you want to get long uh, target, perhaps you'll get it at lower prices. It's about a 14-point move. Maybe if this came into 132 today, uh, that would be an area to take a look at. But uh, big, I mean, because that that guidance is absolutely horrible.
2: Yeah, it's not good. Nothing was good about this report. And again, if the bar was different and the stock was going up into this report, it would be murdered here today. Well, because the stock closed at a three-year low and everybody thought that, you know, nobody, you know, with the pride stuff, nobody's shopping at Target. You know how many people, you know, like are talking about, you know, oh, yeah, we're not going. Well, I mean, it was down 4%. So it wasn't like it was down 10%. I guess digital sales were down 10%. But it's still really bad. I mean, everything about this quarter was, you know, the earnings were fine. And maybe they just thought they're still making money and they can do cost-cutting measures and find a way. But Q3 guidance. Buck twenty to buck sixty, analyst estimates way up at a buck eighty-four. I guess overall on the twenty twenty-three, seven seventy-nine is where analyst estimates were. So you're down to seven to eight. So if they come in the lower end, they come in the upper end, they could still potentially hit that guy. So maybe that's why they're giving them a pass. But I I'm not buying, you know, stocks when, and my long-term portfolio when they're, you know, traffic's falling four point eight percent. No, thank you.
1: Now, does this set the bar lower for, of course, and Joel's pointing right to it? What about Walmart now coming in tomorrow? Uh, uh, Such a different animal.
2: And this is maybe why, because Walmart is not far from an all-time. You got Target at a three-year low, and you have Walmart near an all-time high. So, I mean, they have a different bar. So i don't know what to say i think people are now are going to actually raise the bar for walmart which is amazing because of the stock performance it's crazy the target has that crappy guidance. you'd think that's gonna be a lower bar for walmart but you got to look at the stock reaction if targets up 10 bucks people are like oh walmart does anything okay they're going to rally the stock so you could see the opposite reaction here so i'd be concerned actually going into the report for walmart here now Mm. i think target with this disaster report, actually raised the bar for Walmart. And that's unbelievable to make that statement.
0: Yeah, Walmart getting a little pop on that up to 161.50. The relevant number I've been talking about uh, for Walmart is not necessarily the all time high, but the all time closing high at 161.20. You did pop uh, above that in the pre market, you're below it now. Uh, so I will just I'll keep an eye on that. Once actually, it's actually uh Has it even taken out yesterday's high for good at one sixty seventy nine? When I look at this Walmart chart, I look at the scenario in early two thousand twenty two when it had a nice move up and it was at its all time high. Boom. I mean, I guess you had uh, you know market factors working against it too. Uh, but you know it's Walmart right near all time highs going into the report, folks. So. They better pull a Caterpillar or a Lily or, you know, instead of like an SMCI. No, it's not
2: got the bar of SMCI too. So, you know, like SMCI with the AI talk, like the bar is higher because it's at an an all-time high, but it's still, you know, it's a retailer. I mean, if they beat substantially, the stock could go higher. So it's not that got the bar of an SMCI. But certain stocks, we know this earnings season, it hasn't even mattered. The reports haven't really mattered at all. It's all just about investor expectations going in. Investor expectations have been too high for tech stocks and too low for a lot of these other value stocks. And that's why you're seeing the value catch up trade here in the last month.
0: Um, Just before we go to our next stock, I just noticed a great level for our SMCI traders here. Triple top at the 272 area. That put a lid on it the last three sessions. So, if you're looking for this to get back, get back some of these uh, uh, losses from the earnings report. And that is a big number. And you're eight bucks away from it. So, you're going to need just a whole host of buyers to get that over 272. So, please pay attention to that level in SMCI.
2: It held up pretty well yesterday. I'll say that. I mean, obviously NVIDIA held up, SMCI held up. You had a lot of stocks that were in just disaster mode yesterday. It was not a good day. It was mostly value that was really getting killed yesterday, The the banks, the Fitch, you know, potential, not even downgrade, potential downgrade. Just murder the banks. I mean, mean, but they were
1: already showing weakness, right? I think they just went after it. That's what I was trying to show before. The technicals were already looking pretty bad on these banks, turning back around. And I think that this just helped it, Dennis. It was kind of like it was already catalyst yeah it was the catalyst to break that turnaround right and these stocks had ran off their earnings look they had ran off that earnings and i think that that's when we saw that full market breath move where we were like okay well everything's rallying so if everything's rallying then we're definitely going to be trying to buy and that's when we were we were really bullish i still remember it you you know you and i included i think joel wasn't as bullish and I'll, i'll give you that joel but that's what really kind of pushed this whole market up. Now we're starting to see pockets of this market showing weakness. And you you said it right now, defensives also weak yesterday was a little bit of some sign of concern too because well, where are we going to go? Right? Look
2: at the utilities. I mean, you've got the overall market selling off and the utilities going straight down. So that's telling me, you know, exodus from stocks yesterday. We haven't seen a lot of days like that. Now, again, NVIDIA was holding up, but there was not a lot of green yesterday. Not a lot of things to get really excited about on the screen. There was, you know, when I was looking at my screen at one point in time, I have 500 stocks on there. I think there was 10 that was green. So, I mean, it was across the board selling. So that's concerning when you get the XLP and the XLU, which are typically do well on down days. Those selling yeah, out too. And TLT maybe was the catalyst because obviously we've been talking about it. Sitting new, near a 52-week low, that's a concern. That was the one red flag. And I was dead wrong yesterday when I thought that they could turn around and take it green. Obviously, that did not materialize here. And they continue to go red. So anything you were trying just really didn't work out. I did take a shot on Unity yesterday. I put a little bit um, in the long-term portfolio. Just adding a few stocks that I think that the AI story could continue here eventually, but I might be early on these trades. You know, maybe you're ready. Better to just wait until the dust settles here because it feels like the selling pressure is not over.
0: Did you see this Hawaiian Electric, Dennis? No, I'll not take a, a stock look at I
2: look it. at. Oh my gosh, that was yesterday?
0: Yeah, what yesterday. Was their story. The the fires. Holy. Yeah. Yep. So
2: I don't I haven't been following the story at all. So yeah. again, is this like a PCG issue? Yes.
0: Gosh, yep. man. Look at yeah. that. That's a utility. Yeah. That's a utility. Yeah, we,
2: get, we know the PCG is, it's not like a utility's defensive when they start causing fires. So, I mean, if this is getting pcg PCG went bankrupt. So I know the stock survived. It came, yeah. came back though. Bankrupt here. So that's a consideration here coming in and buying the utility, saying, well, eventually this turnaround, those wildfires are costly. Same reason I sold Johnson & Johnson lawsuits. I mean, the wildfires way worse than probably the talc issue. So, um, wow that's that's a bad issue all right let's
1: move let's move us back to retail let's go to TJX earnings I want to hear the chat are you guys going to TJX and maybe um, some cheaper retailers uh, back to school sales maybe coming in here Q2 EPS 85 cents beats the 77 cent estimate sales of 12.76 billion beats the 12.45 billion estimate TJX company says Q2 full year 23 overall comp store sales plus 6% and court uh, comp store sales at 8% also. Um, so it doesn't look too bad here on TJX. I was wondering if they were going to be able to hold this high bar because they're at the top of the range here. Yeah. And yeah. They held it.
2: Yeah. And this
1: report wasn't
2: that great either here. So they're giving some of these retailers a pass here at this point morning. maybe it's low PEs. The comps are good. I mean, the comp's up 6%. It comped one, The beat on the top, the beat on the bottom was all good. The EPS was not, like, blowing it away here, though. Yeah. Um, You know, raising the Q4 or 2024 outlook. But it's right there, 356 to 362 from 339 to 348. And I don't know. Benzinga had 359 already, so it's kind of in there. It wasn't like, whoa, they're blowing it away. But we know... You know, sometimes consumers, when they start to get pinched for cash, ac- cash actually go to st- to companies like TJX because stuff is cheaper there. You get the brand names for half the price. So it's a trade, maybe a trade down effect. Maybe that's what's helping TJX here too. But I didn't think the report was just like, wow, that was really impressive here. I don't think I'm chasing it here this morning.
0: Uh, I can't give you any resistance because this is breaking out to a new all-time high, so I'll just give you the uh, pre-market high at 89.50. You could use that as a target. Uh coming back on the downside, I know the top of yesterday's range, that's it probably in reach, maybe eighty, you know, if we get a pullback eighty-six sixty-two. Uh, but I think if the Bulls really want to make this like a rah-rah day and the Southerners come in off the open, if they can set uh defend the former all time high that's like in the eighty seven fifty area, I look at that as like temporary support. So as long as it holds above these highs, then I, uh, you know. I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna try and pick targets on it because a new all-time high. But if it if it you find sellers off the open that 87.50 gives way, it wouldn't be out of the question to come down and fill this gap at 86.62 in TJX.
1: All right, let's keep going. Let's go to Kava Group, and uh, this is a surprising one. I just wanted to touch so that we can finish up here. Some retail Q2 EPS at 21 cents really surprised me here at a. The estimate was a loss of three cents. Sales of 172.89 million beat the 163.2 million estimate. Uh, Kava sees same restaurant sales growth at 13 to 15%. And I'll say it right now. You got to say it when you're right, when you're wrong. I was wrong on Kava. I was actually saying it just recently that I thought this could go right back below its IPO price because it did open at a premium. It's being able to hold on here stock
2: is wild and has been trading wild here joel like all over the place so up down left right i mean it's been up overall but it's been a choppy fest on kava i see that yeah yeah a lot of chop. and again stock hasn't been out there that long so that's typical when you get these newer ipos i mean this just came out on what june 15th so you got basically two months of trading it's been wild though
0: uh, the market's giving you some good levels here because you're opening into your four and five day high at the 5070 area that's current where you're trading and then the other level the market was giving you was uh 5220 and that's uh just a little bit below the pre-market i actually got to 5288 so if you're looking for more i think just a lot of people may have got caught in this recent slide from 58 to 46. You see it trade under 46 in the pre-market, then you're back at 50. So I do see some uh old potential overhead supply in uh, Kava. It's a new restaurant group, right? New uh Mediterranean restaurant group. Do I have that uh, correct or... Am I off on that? What well, of it's month? not
1: new, but it, it's been around. It's just more well, right. Not public, right? Yeah, yeah just exactly. public. And then I think that's the important part there. And one thing that I've always mentioned is that, you know, I, I haven't seen these IPOs do too great, right? There's been very rare IPOs as of late that have done well. The only one that comes to my mind is like Mobileye. Um, but other than that, I mean, you guys tell me what like really good IPO have we had of late. I don't. I don't trust it's these. Two IPOs. years, man. We haven't had good IPOs in two years. Yeah, we haven't I even don't, had I don't a lot of IPOs these. last year.
2: Everybody <laughs> was scared to IPO last year because they were punishing everything. So you know, after the Spax debacle and all that, I mean, people you know were keeping their companies private there for a little bit. Now that you know the bull market's coming back, they're trying to like. Get them back out there now, but when you're doing an IPO, it's all market timing. You definitely don't want to IPO into a full-on bear market, which is what we had in 2022. So it's a little bit better timing in the first half if you're able to get it out here. But it's it's been a tough IPO market. We know the investment banks been hurting for
0: that too. Well, speaking uh, of specs, right? Wait, hold, hold on. Just let me throw one. in. You guys mentioned this mobile eye here. Yeah. Wow. Well, what a consolidation station here. All these lows. I think you you got to break. Yeah, six or eight lows right here at the 37.50 area. You're opening right into that area again. So very important for the bulls to stop up. You can see the top of the range here. But, man, you've had a steadfast buyer there uh, since August 7th. So they better be there again or you could be looking at that low at 36.45 for eye.
1: All right, let's go to that. And uh, there's some SPAC action going on. Yeah, the SPACs attack is back, baby. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on as we get V VinFast. VFS has begun trading on the NASDAQ. Uh, the Vietnamese car company plans to make 150,000 cars a year in North Carolina. Guess, guess who's going to go test drive these vehicles? You guys you. know it. You guys know it. Money Mitch, of course, is going to go do some on the ground, some boots on the ground uh-huh. work. I'm going to uh, get think out it's a there. Joke? Come on, man. You know I'll make it happen. We're going to go out there and find out what's all about this vehicle. But let's take a look into it a little bit. This is coming from a acquisition company called Black Square Acquisition. It traded on the New York Stock Exchange before this as BSAQ. So if you want to take a look at that, market capitalization is estimated now to be $23 billion. Um let's talk a little bit about their vehicles. I wanted to show you them really quickly here. Um, so this is their new VF8, and they do have a V8 City edition. Now, one thing that I'll talk about this V8, and I, I kind of have to point to the good and the bad, right? The good, I kind of like the cockpit. I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't look too bad. Nice and clean, looks similar to a Tesla. They just really turned the screen sideways. <laughs> That's what I would say. Instead of the vertical screen, they made a horizontal oh, screen. Oh, so that's how they made it <laughs>
2: That's a better call. That's smarter, actually. That's <laughs> a great, Remember that show, that uh, YouTube clip, Vertical Videos? Don't do vertical videos. You got to do horizontal videos. There I mean, you just go, just right there. That's,
1: that's the classic one right there. Yeah. But now what I get concerned that's, is that's... when I'm starting to look into the mileage, right? Because that's really the concern with these EVs, right? And we've talked about it, the kind of concern about running out of mileage with the Lightning, different vehicles. Yeah, I see a range bad. here of only 264. Yeah, it has 402 horsepower, but trust me, you press that gas pedal like you want the 402 horsepower, you're not getting that 264, you know, and this is what I was talking with Joel a little bit, you know, like when they used to give us gas vehicles, they'd tell you you're going to get 26 miles per gallon. When you actually go drive it on the road, how much would we usually get? It's like 22, right? You get a little lower than what is advertised. So maybe you get 250 range with this vehicle. Is that really
0: enough to buy an EV? I don't know if I want an EV with that much range. I I think the most interesting thing about this stock is what it's doing to Tesla. I have absolutely no idea what the stock's gonna do. 150,000 cars means absolutely nothing to me. Uh, wild couple days, but I think uh, the combination of, of factors are affecting tesla right now i mean that i think is a much i have no idea where the vsf code i'll tell you tesla is in danger zone okay look at this run that we've had we just blew from 160 up to what 290 and now you're falling back in this range now i know dennis you mentioned that tesla um has some other problems and they're doing uh the price cuts and everything but I think I mean Tesla, you know, the uh, you know, the, the the poster child for a lot of these major run-ups in the markets, and boom, I, this is in serious trouble here. Uh Tesla,
2: well, it's been in it's been going down here. I don't think it's in serious trouble. It's been in a corrective stage, but the competition's coming. We know the competition. It's been going, it's been going to come. It's been coming the competition here. It's not going away. The competition is not going to go away, and it's going to come from all angles here. So I know, you know, and I I still think Tesla's best of breed is going to remain best of breed, but competition is coming here. And you know, when you run from up two hundred percent on the year, from hundred bucks to three hundred bucks, there's often a corrective phase. Does it have a date with two hundred? I don't know. I think eventually you're going to find buyers here again for Tesla,
1: but the competition is is no doubt coming. And one thing to note, of course, uh, Model S vehicles now as low as $131,000 or 103 for the non-plaid version. Um, their vehicles are keep going down in price, right? We've talked about the battle of margins, and they've been really struggling in China. They were down about 22%, so... Um, that's where they need to come back. I don't think they're struggling as much in the U.S., but if they could just get those China sales to come back, maybe this could just keep them uh, to get a little bit of a bounce. That's one area that I would be looking to see if something changes in China because that could maybe give them a little bit of a bounce. We'll see what happens there in Tesla. All right, guys, uh, it's 8.27. Let's go through. You want to do the Coinbase talk? I think this is interesting because I, I think in the long run, this has been expanding into... Different areas, right? We've heard so much on different areas. Uh, Even former SEC chairs talking about uh, futures in Bitcoin. Let's talk a little bit about what happened in Coinbase Global here. They've earned approval from the National Futures Association to offer eligible U.S. customer crypto futures. The company said on Wednesday, the largest crypto exchange in the U.S. in September 2021 had filed the application with the NFA. Uh, to oversee by, of course, the CFTC to register as futures commission merchant, which is essentially a brokerage that would allow investors to buy and sell futures on Coinbase platform. Will this give Coin the continued lift?
0: Not as much. I mean, it did get a pop to eighty four fifty. I'm not really. Is there anything on the dailies there? Uh dailies, we're gonna do a little bit of a reset because the eighty-four fifty we're gonna have potential problems here at eighty-three thirty. That's uh two of your last three highs. And I just don't think that this is that big of a deal because a lot of people don't trade futures and America already has it. So I think a lot of these a lot of these accounts. At Coinbase, I don't know for sure. I don't know about the makeup. I think they're smaller accounts and they're trading crypto. To trade futures, the futures on the CME, the Bitcoin futures, I think are almost fully margin. So you're going to need some big boys coming over to Coinbase and trading this as opposed to the CME futures. I think it's an overshoot on this. Um, on the downside, you did put in a nice double bottom yesterday to the $79 area. So... It comes there you know you know and yeah yep 79 that's a nice low you got a little bit of a catalyst let's see if they can defend uh well the top of yesterday's range was way up there let's see if they can defend the close if this goes into a pullback
2: yeah the ridiculous pop what was the news back on the 7th there of july i'm looking Oh, sorry the 13th of july it was
0: uh regulate regulations you know talking about the regulate god they got a favorable um Okay. Uh, ruling. And we pop yeah. from
2: 85 to 109. Yeah. I mean, when you go to that upside capitulation, that's the time to ring the register. They gave you five, six more days, and then the slow leak. And that's what we've seen. All these charts look the same. You had the ridiculous, you know, July pops and the blow-off pops. and now it's just been a slow leak for so many. Death by a thousand cuts for so many of these tech stocks. There, especially you know some of the you know lower earnings tech stocks here. So Coinbase. You come in. Is there support down here? There is is there you know is this an easy call no is this a wild stock yeah i'd probably stay away
1: all right that's going to do it for coinbase uh in a second we'll be getting to our guest let's go to some of the notable analyst notes today i did see some analyst ratings that were pretty interesting um we got two in the oil space so we can cover those together we got pxd and we got chevron uh mizuno upgrading chevron to buy And then JP Morgan stepping up to the plate and upgrading Pioneer natural resources to overweight and raising price target to 264. So will this continue energy? It's been pulling back as of late. A very important outlook that I had was if WTI could just hold 82s. Yesterday, we cut through it and we went down there closer to the 80s. Will we go back in the 70s or back above 82s? That's what I'm looking at. You can see
2: they've been waiting for a pullback, and analysts, just as much as investors want to buy the dip, analysts want to buy the dip too. And it's not a coincidence that Chevron has its first bad day in basically two months like, serious bad day. And the analysts, like, okay, get that note out there now. Now's the time. <laughs> defend, 9. defend, defend. Buying the dip, <laughs> just buying the dip. Classic analysts buying the dip here. Um, You got so many highs at their 164. And I mean, they yeah, there you go. Over. And oil's been forgiven here for a little bit. Um, I recently sold the Oxy because I just felt, you know, eventually I was going to get a shot back at, you know, the 58 to 60 area. It's just worked multiple times. I've still got the PXD. That was the other one that was obviously upgraded here this morning. I'm still along that one. That's the only oil stock I really have left here now. I think, you know, Chevron's got good support down there at the 150s, the lower 150s. I'm not chasing this on an upgrade here today, though. Not after yesterday's price action.
0: Yesterday's price action, absolutely horrible. Uh, this one you just might want to send alert here, at this $164 area. Dennis mentioned that. Uh, really basically uh, three highs recently and then a couple other highs going back into July. So that's your major resistance. You're not even near that now. Now you're you're still two bucks away from yesterday's high. So I think I'd have to side with Dennis on this one. It's a nice call. You're getting a pop up on this. Let's see. I mean, to me, I'd get really bullish if this thing could get above 164 and hold. Um, and you know what? Does this seem like, uh, and this is, I, mean, I don't have empirical data on this, but does it seem like these stocks just didn't react to that, to the recent crude oil rally? I mean, they did move up off their lows, but. Crew just made an incredible move and yeah. he's made like, uh, you know, like, OK, you, moves, you had to so. be in the
1: right one. I think um, there was some yeah. that really lifted off like VLO and MPC, There's some that I'll kind of point out that moved a little bit more, I feel, in, in the recent rally. Um, but like always, right, there's going to be some that kind of lag a little bit. Chevron I bet, it has been one of those laggers and XOM. Uh, I'm glad I sold it in the 110s, Ooh, it's right back towards 108. Right back so, down, yeah. Right back just, down yeah. I'm looking to see if we can get towards 106. I'll take it again at 106. I'm just trying to like buy and sell it as it rides up. But a big thing for me is just looking at crude overall because if we go back to the 70s, I don't want nothing to do with energy. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, if we can hold the eighties and crude, I think it's been yeah, it's
0: been it's been a quiet consolidation in the crude up here. Well, crude is never quiet. You've backed off the high, mm-hmm. but uh it's still it's still defending 80 bucks. So uh the PXD, Dennis Everyone is a good one you've been holding on to for yeah. a while. I know it was in, caught a little heat on the initial buy. This is up two twenty eight, and this is opening into an area where it's it now not quite yet. Um where we got? Uh, Well, I say you got some room to 238 here. That's above the last two highs of the last two sessions. And then you got three highs in the 238 handle. High of the move, 238.91. Closing high, 236.50. Oh, no, excuse me, 237. And that was made on Monday.
2: I think the chop for everything just continues here. I think we go in the next few weeks and sideways action. Cameron Dawson on the show yesterday, she kind of was saying about the chop, why not sideways? And you know how you play sideways markets? You sell the rip and buy the dip. So maybe this market where we are the first months uh, first part of August just selling the rip. I think we move to both. I think you're buying the dips, selling the rips. So I think we chop around. Um, we're coming out of earnings season we're going to get the fed minutes here today that's going to be a choppy event here as well with cisco earnings tonight but for the most part you know everybody's looking to do nvidia next week for the last major major report so why not
1: chop that's what i'm calling for a sideways chop all right we'll see what happens if we continue in the recent chop let's see what happens let's go to our guest today you guys smash the like Joe Saluzzi, partner and co-founder of Themis Trading. It's good to have you. How are we doing today?
3: Doing great, gentlemen. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing great. Let's get into this market and let's take a look. Um, I I know I just mentioned a little bit about Coinbase and I know that you've been keeping a close eye and I know that you even saw kind of former SEC uh, chairman talking about this. What do you think about kind of the crypto and the future whole situation and the battle that's going on to get the spot?
3: Yeah, I think that whole spot Bitcoin thing is is a I don't think it deserves to be an ETF, first of all, because number one reason is the SEC has said many times we need an underlying market that has cross market surveillance. And and let's just look at what's happened over the last year. How many criminals and fraudsters and really, you know, they're all getting arrested. Everybody knows there's a disaster underneath this market. So what do they want to do? Let's put a wrapper around it. And put a wrap around this stink and call it an ETF and shove it into pension funds portfolios. That's what this is all about. So someone can buy their crap. And I say, listen, I don't have a problem with the whole concept of crypto and blockchain. If you think it's a better thing and one day it's going to be more efficient and maybe we can actually settle trades that way. Wonderful. Let's keep moving on it. But when you're trying to put an asset into a portfolio of a long-term investor, it better have some surveillance and better have some legitimate things. Now, I think what the SEC made a major mistake when they approved the futures Bitcoin ETF, because everyone's saying, look, you did it for the futures. We're not the spot. It made no sense why they did futures, because that's a derivative of a derivative. It makes it crazy. So listen, maybe one day we get there, but I still think we are a long way away from putting that thing out there.
2: Has the regulation got any better in crypto, Joe, to your knowledge? I mean, you know, this is kind of like, you know, the Wild West here and so much stuff. And obviously, with so many different crypto coins and so many scams that are out there, are the regulators getting anywhere here with
3: crypto? I think, you know, right now, there's still a fight going on in in D.C. as to who, who regulates this. You know, the CFTC regulates the futures market and the SEC regulates the securities market. So what is it? Is Bitcoin, a, is it a future? Is it, a, is it? Is it a commodity? Is it a, You know, so on? That's still going on. So we don't even have clarity there yet. I think that what's happening is you're seeing the big Wall Street firms come in, right? The BlackRock with their spot Bitcoin ETF application and all the other ones. They want to make this a legitimate market. They're trying because obviously they could know, clip it themselves and make their big like they always do. But they want to make this an asset class that's tradable. It will get there, but it's still got a long way to go, I think.
2: Let's bring it back to the equity markets. We've got Gensler proposing a lot of different, you know, equity market structure changes here. Um, We thought we'd see some of these maybe coming in the second half of 2023. One, you know, what are the major changes that are being proposed? Maybe just sum up what you you like and what you don't like. And then two, when are we actually going to see some of these changes?
3: Yeah, you know, the comment period ended on uh, the end of March on that one. So, you know, we're still, you know, that's that's pretty much almost six months. So we expected six months. You start to hear something from the SEC. The main uh, proposal, which would affect most investors, retail and institutional, is what they call the access fee tick size and tiering proposal. Basically, it means the the current minimum tick or, you know, price uh, that we can use in securities markets in the stock market is a penny. You can't go below that. A stock can't trade below a penny unless it's a sub $1 stock. They're proposing to reduce that to a half a penny or even less potentially. So a lot of comments were written on that. We're waiting to see where it comes out. We think what they call tick constrained stocks, there'll be a definition of what a tick constrained stock is. In other words, a very active name. I don't know. You pick the most active ones that trade out there. Those are likely to have a half a penny tick going forward. We think the SEC will propose a half a penny tick on tick-constrained stocks. You know, I don't think the 10th of a penny makes any sense. Nobody liked it. Almost every single comment letter, you know, said no way on a 10th of a penny. So you'll see that change, and which will mean there'll be more volumes going through because there's more price points out there. Um, I'm okay with the tick-constrained one being at a half a penny. I, I have a big problem with the small or mid-cap going to a half a penny. I think it just creates more noise and more susceptibility for the HFTs to front run you and move ahead of your order. Um, We'll see where they end up on that. The other one is access fees, which is a big deal. And access fees basically applies to payment for order flow. You know, an access fee is the most that an exchange can charge you for taking their stock. So say NASDAQ's on the offering and you want to take it. Me, as an institutional broker, it's going to cost me three-tenths of a penny to take that stock. The SEC is proposing to drop that to a tenth of a penny, we think that's a good idea. We think three-tenths was ridiculously high. We don't even know why they came up with it. In fact, my suggestion was, in my comment letter, was make it, make it take or take. Whether I make liquidity or take liquidity, charge me a tenth of a penny. That's a better model. It takes out those conflicts of interest that are out there. We'll see where they go on that one. NASDAQ just filed a comment letter on that, trying desperately to save their rebates, which their entire model revolves around, so that they can sell data. We think it's uh, kind of a desperate point at this point. We think the SEC will come out with a tenth of a penny on that one.
2: Do any of these proposals get some of the volumes off exchange back on exchange? Because we've had this slow migration of market volumes going dark. And, you know, you see it. Most of your retail orders are now trading off exchange. I see, you know, and I've complained about this with you for 13 years. You know, I throw my bid out there and then I see it trading at my price, trading at my price. I don't get it. Because everybody, you know, every retail broker is sending their orders to an off exchange market maker, and then they're just matching my quote and basically just intercepting my fill, which is annoying as hell. And it's gotten worse over the years. Like I see it pre market after hours, like it never was that prevalent. It is everywhere now. It seems like everything is trading off exchange. It seems like our equity markets are trying to go dark. Do any of these proposals? Address this and actually bring you know retail brokerage orders or even other you know order types back on to you know to the public markets.
3: You know, I, I I know your frustration, Dennis, because it happens to us as well. Uh, you know, we trade on behalf of institutional clients. It happens all the time when you go to the lit markets. They see your bid or offer. It's out there. And, and here the main problem, and which I've been railing against for years now, is that the exchanges sell proprietary data feeds. And those data fees identify, not by name, but will t- when an order enters the market, it'll say, "Okay, Dennis, uh, a retail order just entered." It actually will mark it as retail. It'll tell the time. It'll say if it got revised. It'll say if it got canceled. And basically, it's not it, when it, when an order like a non-HFT order goes in the market, it doesn't blink. It doesn't wiggle around like an HFT order. So they know it's real. So basically, the exchanges are selling us out by selling data, our data, back to the high-speed guys so they can see you, who you are, so they can take advantage of your lick quote. They know they got a backstop because Dennis is willing to buy 500 shares at 10 cents, so maybe they'll just jump you and buy some, or maybe they know because they can just flip it back to you because they're faster. That's unacceptable, and there's nothing in the apos- in the proposals that will address order-by-order proprietary exchange data feeds which should be banned, in my opinion. No question about it. You don't need it. IEX, which is our favorite exchange, does not have order by order data feeds, which is why I feel comfortable trading 30, 40, 50% of my volume every day on IEX, mm-hmm. which is a two percent market share exchange.
2: Why don't most, why 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 is IEX not caught on? Why are there not more people trading on IEX? Is it that it's is it that the brokerage houses themselves don't give them the option? Is that like because obviously, you know, a lot of retail orders don't control the routing. So is it even an option for a lot of retail brokers?
3: Uh, for retail, it's it's difficult. So for, you know you'd have to have a a route. Right? A lot of retail brokers just say, go into my you know smart router. And what do they do? They sell your order to a market maker. Nobody wants to go to an exchange as a retail broker because they don't get paid to do that. Yeah. If you if, if a retail broker and like take for instance Robinhood, Robinhood doesn't even have an exchange membership. They have zero stock exchange memberships. How can that be? Right? It makes no sense. But if they did, if they had an IEX membership, they would just ship the order directly or at least give the option. And I think interactive brokers might be one that gives an option to route to particular exchanges. But it's a little bit more expensive because of those access fees that we talked about before. But I would say, actually, IEX is very successful in like middle of the day, you know, outside of the opening and the close, which obviously they don't trade. They're not, they're not a primary exchange. We find a ton of volume midpoint spreads but to your point before there's not much lit liquidity out there because everybody dances around the lit quotes because i don't want to be seen my job is to make sure yeah. that my clients are, are actually out there you know try i'm trying to get the best price best execution so i have to be careful how i trade
0: joe um, let's go let's go to uh high frequency trading here and uh you brought up an article here ham radio enthusiast Versus high frequency trader, a battle for the airwaves. I think this is really interesting because when we do the, you know, broadcast like the jobs numbers and things like that, um, or the uh, un, uh, the inflation data, man, you just feel like someone's got the information before you do. Either I call them algo jumpers or they just got better pipes here. Uh, please comment on that article here and uh, what your homework is. Uh, has revealed about the private use of short waves. Sure.
3: It's really interesting. And, you know, the journal picked it up. It was actually, uh, there's an FCC petition out there, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But think about before even short waves, you know, there's something called, they they use microwaves, the HFT guys. They used it back in the uh, Flash Boys book by Michael Lewis. He talked about the the yeah. line that they drilled from right to Pennsylvania so they can get to Chicago from New York faster. So it's always about speed with them. They're always trying to come up with a way to win the game. And, and in their world, there's only one winner. Everybody else is a, is a loser. Whoever gets there first is the winner. They're not competing with us. They're competing with each other to get mm-hmm. to that spot faster. So what they came up with was they said, okay, you know, microwaves are great because microwaves will, you know, you don't need to worry about fiber going through the, through the, you know, through light going through fiber. Microwave goes through the air, but it needs every 40, 50 miles, it needs a hop. So you have to have another antenna in there for that microwave to hop. But if you're trying to go transatlantic, you can't have 40, 50 miles an antenna in the middle of the ocean. So they figured out that you can use short waves, which are between the 2 and 25 megahertz uh, uh, spectrum, which bounce off of something called the ionosphere. And I, I asked my son, who's an engineering student, what the heck is the ionosphere? And he was explaining it to me and how these short waves bounce back and forth. But they figured out that. And then a couple of years back, one of the HFT guys actually did a really good video on this and, and what it's all about. But they can get from Chicago to let's just say London or Tokyo, four or five milliseconds faster than somebody running it through fiber. And in their world, four or five milliseconds is an eternity. So here's the problem. The shortwave frequency is not for private pu- business use. It's for public use. So folks like ham radio operators, and there's tons of them, thousands of them around the country, use shortwaves to communicate. And it's a bit of a hobby. And these guys have spent a lot of money on their systems. If the HFT guys who have petitioned the FCC to change the law so they can now allow private use on the shortwave, if they get their way, the ham radio operators are saying, you're going to crowd us out. You're going to be sticking your data in there and we're not going to use it. So here's the question. Why should a private industry who is looking to scalp four or five milliseconds so they can beat the guy next to them on a trade, get free use of public airwaves? And I think the public comment period is huge right now. The Wall Street Journal article certainly helped it out. And the public is upset. They're saying this shouldn't be allowed. And I've got a question. They've had experimental use of this for the last three, four, five years. Have they been doing this already? Are they on these short waves and and trading? And we're really, experimental use is not supposed to be for business purposes. It's for testing. So I think somebody at the FCC should be looking into this on whether or not these guys have illegally been using short waves to communicate so that they can scalp trades for the last five years.
1: Hey. That's
3: just how it goes. There's
1: always an edge somewhere. You just might have to go deep searching to find it. Joe Saluzzi, he'll definitely find it for you guys. Partner and co-founder at Themist Trading. I'm going to definitely throw up his Twitter so you guys can keep up with all his action. And of course, check out uh, Themistrading.com. It's always good to have you, Joe. We'll have you back on. And thank you for bringing a little extra with you today.
3: You got it. Thanks, guys. Great talking to you. Thanks, Joe. That was
1: good. All right, let's get back to the markets. How are we looking, Joel? We
0: Oh a bit. man, we're heavy. We're looking heavy, man. Uh, we are just like, I mean, it was yesterday's Leaking, low. Man. Yeah, it's just, it's just not. You know, and the other thing too is like now you're getting like two hundred handles off the high of the move, right? So now you've been talking, guys. You're talking about selling reps. Now you're getting. Now you, if you weren't thinking last week that maybe we've made a like an intermediate term high. Now you're 200 handles off that high, so now you're thinking, Boy, oh boy! Now I got to bring my offers down, and I think that's what you see in the market. I mean, uh, uh, you know, there's just more overhead supply. I can't go full-blown bear yet, you know, yet because uh, we're still in the vicinity of last week's low. Uh, of course, the day's not over. Don't know what the Fed minutes are, but the, the bears, the bears are in control right now. I mean, uh, just here in the short term. You have to say that I guess except for Nvidia which is trading up $3.40 the bears got their claws in this market.
2: Yeah, and Nvidia tried and you know and I fell for it. It was a suckers rally the day before off of Nvidia and I thought that it could spill over into other stocks and it really didn't. And, you know, I fell for it yesterday. I had a rough trading day because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then we make new lows on the move. So, you know, you're out. You know, those trades didn't work when you're trying to say, hey, this could turn it. So you're always looking for like a tell, you know, and that's what I am. I'm looking for an edge and I'm looking for a tell. I thought NVIDIA was a tell, but it wasn't. The rest of the market just completely pretty much ignored it. And then we sold off hard yesterday and started making new lows again. And whether it was fetch, you know, maybe it was because the banks really got killed. But, you know, it was across the board selling yesterday. So you're right, Joel. The bears are still in control.
0: And, and you know what, Dennis, like, uh, you know, I've just been around you. You know, you're you're trading from the beginning. And, of course, you know, doing this show, it's not like me being in the office, being able to, you know, to yell at you and you yell back at me. Uh, but it's just yeah, like I the way you throw paper balls at him. It's, know. It, it's just the way you talk. I mean, like this SMCI, Like I can tell like you're like you're so torn on it. It's like the stock has had such a tremendous run. You're still a believer in A.I., and it, you know, it got hit off earnings and I, you know, you're so, you know, your best training is like Mark, you know, market neutral. Like I'm doing this, I see this inefficiency in that. And I could just tell yesterday that like, you're, you know, you get, you were, you kind well, of wrapped you're up reaching,
2: in- right? You know, I was reaching to try yeah. to find a reason to try to get bullish because I've been bearish for a couple of weeks here and. know i was trying to find a reason i thought nvidia was that reason you know and i read Mm -hmm. that tell and i thought i'm reading something better than everybody else and sometimes you do sometimes you find Mm -hmm. and it works out you know it just didn't work out yesterday you're taking shots i mean everything you do as a trader is just taking shots Mm -hmm. you know your risk management you're trying to look at risk reward setups you're trying to look, you know, and I'm relationship-based. You know, I'm not a real technical guy. I do respect the charts. And I look at what levels they're going to. But I'm like relationships. When I see one stock doing something, what does that mean for other stocks? When you see NVIDIA rip, run higher like that, it's like, oh, there's other tech stocks that have really been beat up too. Maybe it's a spillover effect, and it really didn't happen. Now, I don't think that trade's completely like, you know, the potential. because Some yeah, of these stocks did hold up yesterday, and maybe it's just a delayed reaction here too. So, but. You know, overall here, Nvidia, Nvidia spooked me to be short this market anymore, but you know, and it's holding up well here again this morning. So they want to buy Nvidia,
1: but we're just not seeing the spill over in other stocks here yet. Yeah, one uh, one of the stocks that I'll just continue to watch is just Microsoft. Still no strength coming back to Microsoft, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll do it for Joel because Joel doesn't have the opportunity to throw the paper balls at you. I'll throw them at you, Dennis. I don't got no problem. <laughs> Nice. I'm sure that's how it was back in the prop days. Uh, Dennis got hit with a couple of paper balls in the back (laughs) head. Um, but yeah, let's get to JD. What's going on in China, guys? Um, because definitely it's a disaster. JD disaster stock of the day. It beat on EPS. It beat on sales, but still getting hammered. Um, you guys saw also C uh definitely yesterday yeah and then Citigroup also came in here <laughs> I love this one thanks they City. downgraded to neutral and announced a $50 price target
2: did like, they come well up we've with been wrong thing. let's try not to look too bad here for the end of the year you know when everybody analyzes us here so we'll just downgrade it now what was their price target before
1: Oh, I want to see that one. That, that, Let's that, go that. look what
2: the price target was before and just call this analyst out for yeah,
1: what it I, is. I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it while you guys He's going to go find it,
2: that. But I mean, SC, an absolute disaster here. Holy. It was down 27% yesterday. Stock is closing, you know, at a 52-week low. Back to the October lows. Back below the October lows here this morning. So not a lot of stocks making new 52-week lows, but this is one of them. Wow. <laughs> what a disaster. This was the stock of 2020 and 2021. Remember, I, I remember was even this. saying, yeah. I was like, SE, I believe, in like 2020 was my best stock. Like, a, and the 2021 as well. Like, it was like, I'd buy that thing and it'd just go up. And I'd buy that thing and it would just go up. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if I ever verified it there, but I just felt like I was making money on SE every day on the long side. It just went up like eight bucks every day. Boom, up, up, up. What a what a turnaround! What a disaster this has been. Wow. It's unable to give back the entire 2020 and 2021 run, but that is what has now happened. It has given it all back.
1: So disaster. Did you find that price target? I, I found even worse here. They maintained a buy on March 8th, and they put and they had a price target of 110 on there, yeah, and so they so put they a maintain it, it more on that one, and it was on a pop there in March. On the 8th, and man, that thing's been horrible since then. And maybe Uh, gave you a
0: pop or two after that. Yeah, man, this JD.com is no man's land. And after what happened to SC yesterday, um, you could just go to, what's last month's low? If you want to target on the downside for right now, there's uh, two monthly lows. This is called 33.5. That's another buck 20 lower. Then the low of the move comes in at thirty one fifty seven Um, on the upside here. Uh, boy, oh boy, you could get a gap fill, 35 and a half if you're trying to scoop this off the open. But I remember I was looking to see who was reporting earnings. I saw the JD, and then I looked at like DSC, and I'm like, man, I don't know. I'd be shaking in my boots. SP is another leg lower here, folks. We are now through uh, Tuesday's low, and it's just, <laughs> I just don't like this area here. I mean, we yeah, had talked about that the, the love, now it's going to be resistance here. Uh, someone asked about us going green today, man. We, we got a lot of work today to, to go green on the session.
2: It's just the bears are doing the same thing. I mean, we get these overnight rallies here, and they don't hold. And it's like Groundhog Day. We rally overnight, and then they sell them all day. And then we rally overnight, and then they sell them all day. I mean, <laughs> two days ago, maybe a little bit different story than video the, on the overall market. But bears have been in control here for a couple of weeks here now. Multiple contraction is what we are seeing here on a few stocks and deserved. I mean, the multiples just got too crazy everybody got too bullish and you know this is the correction that you know we've been calling for here for the last week and it's coming so i i i I not want to buy stocks i raised up a lot of cash i did buy a little bit of unity yesterday it was the only one that i bought i have nibbled into a few other stocks but you know an enbridge is more of a defensive stock and that's been going down now since it paid the ex-dividend but utilities is getting hit here too tlt not helping that as well so enbridge is ugly making new lows but That's in the long-term portfolio. As long as they don't, you know, cause wildfires, I I think I'm going to be okay on that one.
0: Uh, The the S&P futures have been lower in nine of the 11 last sessions. Uh, The two outliers were a 40-handle rally on August 7th, and the other outlier was an unchanged session uh, at, at last Wednesday, so... Boy, oh boy, oh boy! There is really—I mean—it's a bit of pretty orderly decline, choppy decline here. Now we're starting to get into an area where it might not be so forgiving on the downside. Here we did take out yesterday's low. Uh, we're looking at our uh, next target on the downside, forty-four thirty-nine. Uh, that would be your July eleventh low. So that's what we're looking at here, at least basis the S&P futures as we take out yesterday's low. I'm
1: just gonna look to see when we can recover that 90MA. Um, yesterday we got close towards good back there on the queues and then couldn't get past the highs. And so I think can now you guys we, help me uh, out
0: with these like moving averages? Like because it seems to me like there's always a moving average. Like yes, oh, there's always yeah, going all, to be. Yeah, there's always but like, that's why we don't hold the fifty, then we're going to the hundred. Well, we don't hold the hundred, we're going to the hundred and fifty. We don't hold the hundred and fifty, we're going to the two hundred. I mean, that's it's why all... I,
1: I try to keep it easy, Joel. I just keep it easy. So EMA, momentum, what do you use? Well, the price I, in
0: front of you is what the market is. I mean, these moving averages. I mean, like when does the, the 50 become you know so vogue? I thought it was the 200 day. And now people are talking about the 50 and the nine day mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. whatever. The, the, the price in front What's of Met
2: you use? To... What do you use? Because you're right. I, I've There's talked a about thousand just, these moving averages. i I've I've talked about and The nine. But what what do you The
1: nine? The nine is my momentum indicator a lot of the times. And that's when we're in momentum. You can see the light blue line, how it tracks the price target. Once, the, once that line is getting on the top side, that's not good action, right? So you see this all on the bottom side, bottom side, bottom side. Then right here is when we started the flip. Right there is when the momentum started to break down on this candle. Now you're seeing it, what, on the top side of that price action. So I just need to see price action get above that. Once price action gets above that and actually closes above that, I'll start thinking of going back towards the long.
0: Oh, so you're gonna try a long here, playing it, going back up to that level? N- not until it clears easy...
1: that. It actually has to close above that, right? You you talk about it all the time, Joe. We need to right. close on momentum. Well,
0: I mean, I'm looking at D S P and I I I could tell you the night the spider and the nine day average. I mean, that ain't coming yeah. into play today. But um, yeah, anyways, I mean, Mitch, give us your just uh, non-technical. Just what, what are your, your gut feel uh, for today? What do you think will be the, uh, the key drivers for the market? And what are you looking for to, for us to get out of this little uh, little downtrend?
1: So I'm just looking to see what happens, especially with leading stocks, right? We've been talking about NVIDIA. We've been talking about Microsoft. I think we could still go through just a sideways period throughout this whole August. And then maybe September, finally, as as we get past Labor Day, we finally start seeing some buyers come back into this market. So could we just be playing these range types of moves where we go up, we come back down, up? come back down. I've been saying I want to hit the brake pedal right now on my swing trading and wait to hit the gas pedal because the one thing I don't want to do is do a bunch of over trading in this environment. Dennis, well, um,
0: yeah, what, old, where, where are you at? What are you asking? Uh, just overall. I mean, you know, you were really firm. Sell the rip. Sell the rip. Sell the rip. Sell the and rip. And then
2: the Nvidia tried to turn me for a day, and it didn't work out. Okay. You no, know, it didn't work out to go full bullish here and try to start buying stocks. Everything I tried to buy yesterday stopped out for the most part. So, or you know, or they're you know, it's teetering on being stopped out. So it didn't work to turn around and try to fight this trend right now. And to Mitch's point, the momentum has turned. I mean, there was too many people who were bullish for too long and it's coming off the trade right now. I mean, Tesla goes down five bucks every day. It's like death by a thousand cuts to Tesla since that report. Just slow, steady leak. And like for the last week, it's like down three bucks, it's down three bucks, it's down three. Every morning it's down three or four bucks. It's like clockwork here. It's like short Tesla at the close, rebuy it at the open the next day. It seems like every day. I mean, eventually it Nvidia's you though has a positive headline or an analyst commentary oh, and you know and then rallies 20 bucks i mean that will happen with tesla at some point in time too but the death by a thousand cuts on a lot of these stocks is real i mean shopify has slowly just come down you know it's not like it's just went whoosh you know we just look at it and here we are a month later it's 70 to 55 down a buck down a buck. a couple days we're pretty ugly in there for shopify but you know, the unity, same thing. It's just like death by a thousand cuts. It's down a buck. It's down a buck.
0: All right. I'm going to, I'm just, gonna you don't stick even notice.
2: It. And then all of a sudden it's down 20 bucks. It's like, what the hell
0: happened? Uh, I'm just going to stick with what I've been talking about earlier in the week. I really want the index to hold uh, last week's low at 44.59. And you breached that yesterday. And now you're d- distancing yourself from it as well. So until we can get back above last week's low, I'm looking at the path of least resistance is lower. Uh, the first real good number I have on the downside is your July 6th low, and that's right around uh, 44.20 if you're looking for a uh, intermediate support point. Uh, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, Mark Chakin, let me get, uh, get his take on the markets tomorrow. Everyone, be here tomorrow, same time, same place.
1: All right, that's going to do it for us on Pre-Market Prep. Don't miss it. Live trading coming up next. <laughs> We'll <laughs> be